Hello from Cyberry and Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cyberry podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cyberry.it. From all of us at Cyberry and Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 401 Access Denied podcast. I'm Joe Carson, the host for the episode, and it's going to be another exciting show today. As always, we're looking to bring really you know, great leaders, uh, people with amazing opinions and ideas to really make the world a safer place, really kind of highlight uh, what we need to be doing in the security industry. Uh, so today, I'm actually joined by with Thaddeus de Grook. Uh, is that how I pronounce it properly? <laughs> the, the yeah, Grook? It's close um, enough. Yeah. Right. Close enough. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. If you want to give the guests a little bit of background of what, what you do, how you get in the industry, and uh, what things you get up to, what's what's the fun things you find in, in the security industry that's uh, uh, entertaining and educational? Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, I'm the Grug. I basically started doing InfoSec stuff in 1998. Um, so that's a very, very long time now. <laughs> and yeah, in that time, I basically, so I started out working at enterprises doing, you know, firewall stuff, then immediately went into doing offensive security, uh, did some startups, did consulting, um, sort of along that time, I've always been very interested in, uh, I guess now we call it deviant security. So mm-hmm. sort of, um, the, the secure side of offensive security, uh-huh. um, you know, right? So how do hackers protect themselves or, you know, how do you do stealth when you're on an operation? That, that always interested me. And then um, in the last decade plus, I've gotten more interested in the broader sort of things, which the sort of strategic operational issues. You know, mm-hmm. if you are a nation state, how do you use cyber to achieve your aims? Like if you've got, you have goals that you want to achieve, you have cyber, how do you get from A to B? You know, um, so that sort of interesting me and that's really what I've been focusing on sort of more and more heavily now to the exclusion of pretty much everything else. And absolutely, um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it. I think it's, it's fascinating <laughs> and it's great. It's, it's, it's an interesting, yeah, absolutely. It's, in, it's a really interesting yeah. industry. Um, absolutely, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's 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 always changing and evolving and exciting. There's, you know, it, it, it's never it's not one thing that you know it stands still. It's the technology evolves, the threat changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always something that kind of it's always continuous learning. Um, and mm-hmm. one of the things yeah. you, you mentioned is about absolutely nation states from a strategic. How do they? make sure that uh, they're doing you know cyber to to their advantage sometimes in an, mm-hmm. in an ethical way in a, in a legal way right. uh, that take that they can actually you know empower their, their citizens and and country to move forward yeah uh, I've always found it you know it's, it, we're in a world we're in no country can do this alone in many cases it's, it's very difficult to, to do it in a mm-hmm. silo and it's always about you know finding good cooperation. Um, so, you know, what, what's, what's some of the things that you think, what's some of the areas that countries are looking to get into in this, you know, what, what, you know, cause every country seems to be some, some places are taking very different approaches. Right. Some countries are, 
adopting, for yeah. example, some countries will allow, uh, they, they permit the ability to go and do offensive attacks, uh, you know, in, in response to mm-hmm. being a victim. Um, some countries are against it. Some countries are doing it, you know, in in in, in stealth where they don't want it to be known. Um, where, where's the base? Where, where's the majority that's, that's really, you know, taking this? Right. So that, I, I mean, there's a whole bunch of interesting things going on. So uh, the U.S. is sort of they've developed this theory called persistent engagement, which mm-hmm. is essentially based on the idea of assuming that you're an 800 pound gorilla. You know, how do you get what you want? And, <laughs> you know, that's fairly easy if you're an 800 pound gorilla. Right. Now, the, the problem is, if, you know, you are not an 800 pound gorilla, that's not necessarily the same like that, that strategy is not going to work for you. So the UK um, just yesterday, or just, just the other day, put out a doctrine of how they're looking at, um, it's really, it's complementing the, the US, right? They looked at like, mm-hmm. what is the value that the US brings? What is the value that we can bring, right? Like you, you could be the small version of the US that does it worse and cheaper, or mm-hmm. you could do your own thing. And they've done their own thing. I think it's, it's really quite good. Um, I, I'm going to be looking a lot more at that in the future. I, I think it's uh, very, very good stuff. But then, you know, you have, you know, on the other hand, places like Germany, which are, <laughs> you know, like they, they've got a lot of talent. They have, you know, the well, they've got like the legal frameworks and the structures and stuff in place, but the sort of political will isn't really there. <laughs> and it's somehow, it doesn't gel, like it doesn't coalesce. So. I, I don't know what's keeping them back, but there's that. Then, you know, France is pretty good, but, you know, they could be better. There's all this stuff mm-hmm. like the Dutch, um, they they punch way above their weight. They've somehow managed to harness the talent that they have. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're a small country. They don't have the same resources as, you know, other people. They're not part of the Five Eyes Alliance. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. part of an alliance, but not specifically Five Eyes. So, yep. With all of that, they've still managed to do remarkably well. Like they, they're just really good at the cyber that they do. Um, Australia sort of carved out a niche as well, and that their um, uh, their, their risk appetite allows for a bit more sort of offensive stuff by the state, as long as it's sort of um, you know if, if it's protecting citizens, then it's okay to be aggressive overseas. Mm-hmm. The UK, you know. They don't have that same risk appetite. Um, then we have India, which is, to me, it's really, you know, like here you, you know, no one's ever going to say that the Indians are bad at IT, right? Like you don't look at mm-hmm. it and be like, well, of course they don't have good cyber, they don't have any good, you know, technical people. Mm-hmm. That's just not true. But somehow they don't have good cyber, and I, I don't know what that is. And it's, um, it's not necessarily for lack of, you know, a legal framework. It's not for lack mm-hmm. of talent it must be political will or something so that like there's so much that goes into having an effective force you know as you said like there's there's the legal stuff where you know you have to be ethical and within the bounds of you know if you're a liberal democracy you have certain values and you want to make Mm -hmm. sure that you follow those um you know, obviously Russia and China have their own things going on. So they've got strong cyber and because they're authoritarian, their legal frameworks, <laughs> uh, they're not our legal frameworks, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they are actually sometimes very conflicting uh, in regards to mm-hmm. what, what you know, 
we agree with, you know, would see as international norms, I would say. Um, they're very conflicting approaches where it's, it's you know, in some cases it, it's fine to carry out, you know, criminal activities as long as it's not against our own citizens. <laughs> and and, and right. I would give a, a buy, you know, they would actually give a pass and, and, and provide safe havens. Uh, but when when they need them, you know, I call them almost like the cyber mercenaries. When they need their help, they'll call mm -hmm. for the help, and they have to be at hand to to carry out more direct instructions. Um, mm -hmm. As long as uh, you know they're you know they're given that pass, um, so it's it's very different yeah. kind of you know where everyone has to buy you know abide by the laws, where mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of exceptions in certain countries. Absolutely. And, you know, China is is similar in that um, they, they have a lot of companies that provide, um, you know, they can they will get work farmed out to them. Mm -hmm. right? So when uh, I think it was in 2021, there was that exchange bug that came out in January or so. Yes. Um, and right. And so that was farmed out like um, JD work. A friend of mine was calling it a land grab. Right. Like you, you, you have this. You've got a bug. You've got all of these things are vulnerable, but you only have, you know, this short window of time, and so you need to get as many of them before anyone else does, before they mm -hmm. get patched, and before someone else does. So they just farmed it out to basically um, companies that do offensive cyber for hire for the government, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, that's not a thing that exists. In the West, really, you know, um, absolutely, yeah, not not in the same way, <laughs> right? They, right. They, they have they have contracts which which they have to abide by the contracts. Um, there's a little bit of different, yeah. you know, a, a different way of doing it, but uh, it's you know, yeah. the, the legal terms is is definitely where we all have to adhere to the same legal framework. And those countries, right. that, you know, they get that pass. And it was interesting you mentioned earlier about India. Uh, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. India has an amazing talent, you know. The the talent Absolutely. pool for, from pen testers and and, and really passionate mm -hmm. people. Um, I think you know, I think one of the things is you know when you talk about the political will and and, and accepting you know to take some of the risk. Mm -hmm. I think it sometimes comes down to having a central coordination, uh, having having right. um, you know where you've got transparency, you've got coordination, you've got you know different you know government agencies sometimes working together, mm -hmm. and also sometimes in each country it depends where cyber sits. Um, uh, it, it, you yeah. know, in, in the US, they've got the Cyber Command and they've got CISO and they all have their different mm -hmm. functions. In the UK, you've got GSEQ and then you've got the National uh, Cybersecurity uh, Center. So they have, you know, these yeah. different coordinations where they're responsible for different areas, but they they, they cooperate really well together. Um, the countries where yeah. I see sometimes that, that struggle is those where cyber mm -hmm. maybe sit into the defense or military side, where it just becomes a very yeah. military extension um and and not really looking because in the end you know it does go beyond um mm -hmm. you know it, it has a, a different elements of it you know whether it's into intelligence gathering whether it's into mm -hmm. uh you know criminal activities that targets the citizens whether mm -hmm. it's targeting critical infrastructure um, and identifying weaknesses so sometimes it de depends really where the country's you know strategy is where cyber sits in that overall government uh, area um and right. that central cooperation of working together yeah, very much so. And I think um, an, another part of it as well is sort of what are, uh, I'm not going to say like the authorities because that's that's very American, but sort of <laughs> what is the remit, you know, like what is the remit of the intelligence services? What are they supposed to do? You know, yep. like, so if you've got like the SIS and they're supposed to go out and do foreign intelligence that um, 
you know, I believe it's uh, it's not just collecting information, but it's promoting the foreign policies of the UK. Right? It's sort of this active, they, they see covert activities and covert operations as part of their thing, and it's all external. And so they have, you know, no hands internal. And that gives you one sort of risk appetite. And, you know, you expect a certain sort of cyber to come out of that, right? Whereas if you've yeah. got a domestic law enforcement agency, obviously they have a completely different approach to mm -hmm. cyber. Um, and, you know, like you need all of these, right? Like that's, yeah. that's the great thing about cyber is you can't, you can't um, just do one, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's all has to be coordinated together and everybody has to have some type of at least, you know, transparency and information sharing is really important. And that brings mm -hmm. up an important topic. I think one of the things I, I really enjoyed the, the talk that you did last year in Talent B-Sides that you know really yeah. kind of brought up it, it got my mindset um when you know a lot of countries are doing open source intelligence gathering um and mm -hmm. you know and and it's also been done in society as well society is also participating in a lot of the social media platforms um mm -hmm. i think it kind of it really triggered a, a you know thought in my mind was around well you know when when open source intelligence is good when does it work how has it been helpful and not just from a you know government perspective, but you know how citizens mm -hmm. can be involved, and how sometimes those uh, uh, you know let's say the the, the motives um, or the results can be very conflicting. And when is open mm -hmm. source intelligence bad? But before we get into the details, what can you you know explain to the audience in, in your mind? You know what what is open source intelligence? What is the the method and technique, and and how how do governments mm -hmm. take advantage of it today? Right. So um, historically, so, okay, basically, open source intelligence is intelligent like the intelligence process where you collect information you analyze it and you extract intelligence right intelligence is the result of analyzing data uh, raw mm -hmm. data is not intelligent so that's sort of the an important step that's involved at analysis phase mm -hmm. um, historically open source intelligence meant things like newspapers brochures magazines you know, if if you were Sweden and you were doing open source intelligence on like the Germany's uh, tank production or whatever, mm -hmm. you would call up, say, Ryan Mattal or whomever it was and say, hi, can you give us the sales brochure for your current tank? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you would collect that and that would be sort of everything that you knew about Germany's tank production would be based on, you know, maybe uh, job ads in the local papers, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. The yep. internet has blown that up, you know, it's it's completely <laughs> it's blown that up. Accelerated, um, but both, with both real, you know, accurate information and, and misinformation, <laughs> you know, it's, right. now it's a case of, you know, it's it, it, you have to then decipher what is factual and what's not factual as well. Right, and um, there's, there's just been like some other amazing things like satellite imagery that's down to, mm. you know, one meter per pixel, you know, yes. which is not even, not even the, the good stuff. Like that was high-end government super secrets uh, technology, you know, a few decades ago, and now it's mm -hmm. you know twenty dollars per you know square kilometer or something like <laughs> yeah. that, you know, you, and you can get it for free if you want as well. It's it's just amazing. So mm -hmm. the sources for open source intelligence have have exploded. Um, you know, everything now from uh, database leaks, which mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, we could call it a gray area, but the fact is, once it's out in the open and you're collecting intelligence, you know, <laughs> I've, I've had I've had my hand slapped a few times for um, connecting uh, specific 
databases to each other uh, and th that was referred to as create, creating a new and they, they the kind of the way it was referred to me was it was creating a new breach by having an index of multiple data sources together so so i've had i've had my hands right. a few times <laughs> i'm told, I'm told yeah. you know not not to go down that path don't do that <laughs> right so, but i'm not advocating any illegal activity of course but you know, hypothetically, there are uh, we could say that there are people out there who are a little bit closer to the line, yes. and you know, and when you know Bellingcat, for example, actually purchases databases from Russia that they then use, and I think that 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 blurs the the open the, the, you know like open source where you go out and you specifically collect from data brokers, you know, mm -hmm. like the the uh, yeah, like so one of the ones I had was from Belarus, and I know that what happened was that the cyber partisans had hacked the Belarus, um, like they've just hacked everything, but they took the database from immigration that had uh, passports going across, you know, the passport numbers mm -hmm. of people across borders, and they gave that over to Bellingcat, and that was used to expose uh, Russian illegals, mm -hmm. right, where they were able to match up passports and names to uh, trips that went to Moscow and, you know, all this stuff. And it, I mean, it's open source and that it's been, it's sort of public in, in how you've gotten it, but it's, 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 it's a bit closer to like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, one, it's one of those areas that it can highlight a lot of really interesting uh, kind of uh, data once you correlate it with other things. It's it's really, you know, absolutely. And and yes. I thought, you know, even even the Bellingcat book um, was fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, the recent book that they released uh, was really insightful into a lot of the, the techniques and a lot of the risks that people took as well in, in, oh, yeah. in getting it that, you know, ultimately highlighted, you know, it's we're operating in that gray area where it actually highlights a lot of you know even war crimes and criminal activities and you know it, it's mm -hmm. you know some 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 people take a lot of risks in order to to get you know ultimate justification um, mm -hmm. and bringing other serious crimes to 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 closure because because sometimes that's you know that's what right. people that's the motivations is, is bringing closure to some serious uh, you know catastrophic events. Right, and I, I think that that's. Um... That's one of the, the interesting differences between, you know, as you were saying, the, the public open source, like public OSINT versus, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, well, I guess the government is also public OSINT in a way. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, the private OSINT that's done in the public and the public OSINT that's done in private. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, the difference there is sort of the intent and the motivation, right? So you've got, yep. um, when the government is doing it, it's sort of, so they, a lot of time, it's not even so that they can act, it's just so that they could know what's going on and decide if they need to act later on, right? So they may know things and they just, they don't see why it's there, you know, why they should do anything about it, mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, it's worth knowing and they like knowing the truth, but they're not going to prosecute someone or they're not going to start a, an international incident, so you know, they're done. Whereas for the public, a lot of the time it's very different, right? Like we we care about, you know, um, uh, when uh, in Lebanon, you know, when there's a gigantic explosion, we think yeah. that there's a reasonable, you know, there's public interest in exposing all of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even if nothing ultimately happens, which, you know, seems to be the case now, unfortunately, but there's value in just having the truth out there, that transparency. And that's, yep. that's, you know, transparency um, is not always a thing that governments are super inclined towards.
Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, uh, it comes down to you know that's one of the things I you know being based in Estonia. That's one thing I really enjoy about the the society and state here is that the, the government is mm-hmm. is is doing everything it possibly can. They they see themselves as a service provider, so they're tra- being transparent as much right. as they possibly can to the citizens. Um, but not all governments operate yeah. that way. Not all governments want, well, you know, and not all citizens want yeah. it as well. Not all citizens right. want that transparency. They just want to be able to live their lives and not have to worry about um, some of the, you know, the ways yeah. that governments uh, operate. Right. So the the Estonians are the ones, I believe, who put out a yearly intelligence summary. Like mm-hmm. their intelligence agency writes up this booklet that they put out. In, um, I have a bunch yeah. of them behind me here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I read them. Every, yeah, as soon as they come out, I sit down and read them. It's it's great. You know, I uh, obviously they're limited in what they can say, um, but it's always so amazing when they're like, you know, and here is someone who worked for the KGB, and then he started working for us, and you know, then he was contacted also, by one of his ex neighbors, and it's just wow, I love all that stuff. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's really one of the things I also like where they actually have coordinated it and aligned the the increase in certain types of attacks to political events and, you know, news information right. or elections and, you know, moving of statute, how they coordinate all of that and show here here's the spike when we made this decision and here's the types of attacks that happened and here's what the origin, it's, yeah. it's really insightful because yeah. it really shows you a lot of the, the methodologies and the techniques mm-hmm. that are used. Um, you know, one is to, to mm-hmm. you know, whether it's sometimes, again, it's those, uh, let's say, the, the uh, hacktivism. So you, you do mm-hmm. get hacktivism happening, but in a lot of cases, you also can relate it back to government operations as well. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I think that um, a lot of, like, basically, I think other agencies should do this. I think that mm-hmm. there's no reason that, you know, CIA and SIS and GC, like, mm-hmm. you know, this sort of information is great. It, you know, it, it highlights um, you know operations that have been successful. Mm-hmm. You know, it reveals some of what happens behind the curtain, and not in a you know here are our secrets, but more like we are a government agency staffed by civil servants who sort of we have to work nine to five and we have holidays, mm-hmm. and like we're doing a job. Like we're not some weird scary you know <laughs> fly-by-night shadowy organization it's yeah. you know and it's, it's interesting as well I, I do like you know europol has also taken a big a big step in doing this as well where um they recently you know they're more proactive in releasing some of the campaigns that they've done um what was the last one mm-hmm. was the cookie cookie monster campaign which was right. taken down i think it was the genesis marketplace um and CISA in the us yeah. has also taken a very proactive approach as well where um, they're now trying to release information uh, enough ahead of mm-hmm. time so people can take informed decisions about protecting themselves. So there is those elements, yeah. and I think it's fantastic because I think for me, transparency is so critical because when you know, yes. it allows you to make informed decisions uh, versus not knowing yeah. um, means that, you know, y- either you don't know that your data is uh, compromised and your systems are compromised and, or that they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really important to be able to get that, you know, proactive uh, steps and, and and make the decisions sometimes yourself. Yeah, and I I think it's particularly useful for, you know, we talk about like the security poverty line and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know, if if you have your dedicated security officers who work, you know, and they or your security staff, you're probably a lot more aware of what's happening than. Mm-hmm. The majority of places who just don't have anyone you know they've got the you know your friend's kid who comes in you know every week 
you know, or not even, you know, <laughs> he guy. came in that one time, he, he set up the computers and now it just works. Yeah. And yeah. The guy or girl who actually came in and knows a bit about computers, help me set up your business. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, yeah. And there's so many businesses, you know, there's the the the, mm-hmm. um, the hair salons, there's the, you know, the mechanics, there's, you know, the paint shops that they don't yes. have the dedicated staff. And and those are the ones, you know, I've, I've seen um, uh, people's businesses where it was a family business and all of a sudden mm-hmm. uh, they become a victim of ransomware. And it's not just the business, yeah. it's their, their entire digital life. 25 years of all pictures and family photographs, all yeah. basically encrypted. And you're just in that situation where you're trying to determine, okay, you know, how do you help them? How do you, how do you get their lives back? Because it's not just a business. It's, you know, pictures right. of family members who may have passed away 10 years ago. And that's the only yeah. evidence you've got that right. they ever existed. Um, and it's tough for people. And, and to your point is, you know, majority yeah. businesses are a, a lot of those types of business where they have that one person mm-hmm. who, you know, they rely on for, for being, you know, not just the tech yeah. person, but also the security person. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, uh, to me, I, I always find that so fascinating because it's like the world that I live in is, is, is security <laughs> stuff, right? Like I, I have a lot of different laptops because I isolate by what I'm doing with them. Right. So I've got, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to school. So I have a school laptop and I'm, you know, doing a report for someone. So I have my consulting laptop and, you know, here I'm on my podcasting and, you know, access to the internet laptop. And yeah. and so, yeah, like talking with people who have like the computer and it also, you know, it's got their games and they, they look mm-hmm. at porn and they run their business and, you know, it's all on the same thing. And to me, I have a heart attack, but <laughs> it could be quite yeah. scary. It's a scary thought sometimes. And it comes down to, you know, since, since we, you know, we, we come from that same background, you know, very security minded mm-hmm. and everything we do, but Ultimately, you know, I always find it it's it's the society around us that is what makes us secure as well. Is I can take a lot of the procedures and measures mm-hmm. uh, to to reduce the risk as much as I can, but ultimately that's the society, the people you interact with, the people who have right. your contact details on their devices, if they become breached, yeah, what can you do? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, right. <laughs> so. And and they don't even need to be breached. They just need to have. Uh, they just need to install an app from an app store anywhere and you know like all of our all of our contact details have been scraped since yeah. the the dawn of the iphone essentially you know mm-hmm. um it's too late now there, there's it, it, no getting it back it's gone but, you know, um, we have to we have to operate as uh, knowing that it's out there and then it comes down to knowing yeah. what can that data be used for is what's the potential right. um of abuse of that data and that's what we have to start monitoring. You know, that's where we have to start being proactive in is is looking about when that data is being abused and, and how to right. be notified. And you know, it's 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 a very challenging. To your your point is absolutely right. Is the data is out there? Right. Um. You know, and, and if every government has access to it, um, and it comes down to you know even criminal organizations have access to it. So now it's a case of of how do we make sure yeah. uh, to limit its impact and abuse. Exactly. And so that's um, that's an important point, actually, that I'd, I would bring up, which is that a lot of security, you know, it's less about not getting hacked or breached. It's more about impact containment. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, a bad thing is going to happen. How do I make sure that it has the least impactful damage possible? You know, trying to structure things, you know, and, you know, as I was saying, I've got a lot of different laptops. That's because I assume they're going to get hacked so i if you know 
the one that I do, you know, work that I think is sensitive mm-hmm. on gets hacked, that's bad. But I treat that a lot more securely than the one that I, you know, do this sort of thing or where I, I do Twitter and everything on. Mm-hmm. And it's because if those get hacked, then at least the things that I, I treat more sensitively are not exposed. And that's yeah. the impact containment. And that's the, um, you know, the compartmentalization of things. And it's, it's very expensive, not in terms of, well, I mean, <laughs> buying laptops is expensive, but it's just, it takes time and it takes effort. Time, you, time consuming. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's, and you get uh, lazy and it's, like, you know, like, do I really want to get up and go and turn on the other laptop or I'll just do it here once quickly. It won't, it won't be a problem just one time, you know? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And it's, it's a process that I, I, I do personally yeah. as well. And, and it's not just about, you know, also containing the impact, but it's also about resiliency as well. I know that, you know, yes. I even even it's ridiculous for for me. I've got so many email aliases that <laughs> I actually to the point where that when I see something being targeted with phishing, I can almost identify the origin of you know, which organization <laughs> yeah. where I use that email to subscribe to uh, to the point you know where because uh, I I have broken it into to, to your point is impact uh, yeah. emails. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one for communication, yeah. one for subscribing, one for traveling you know and it's that yeah. containerization where i got to the point where when i see all of a sudden something coming through i'm like huh that's interesting because only these types of places um have have i actually used that email right. address on um and it really allows you to start kind of knowing where, where some of the risks are as well uh, but it also means that if those uh emails are ever compromised the impact to them is is very limited or very isolated Absolutely. So I, I, um, I have a similar approach and I detected a phishing email because, you know, um, like it was quite good and I was reading through it and I was like, you know, something is slightly off. So I, I took a few <laughs> minutes and when I looked at it again, I suddenly like, wait a minute, this is like, this is the personal email address I use for friends. My bank doesn't know this. Like there's no way my bank could email this address because I use a different one with them. Yep. Something is wrong, <laughs> you know. Like, and that was, uh, you know, it, it, it's not the sort of thing that normal people do, unfortunately. Yep. And um, yeah, I, I don't it's know. Getting, and they're getting very difficult yeah. to tell the authenticate, oh. you know, the, the, how authentic they are looking. Um, you know, I've seen. Yeah. Some that, you know, I, I really thought the, the the recent phishing campaigns that show that, you know, there's suspicious activity in your account, attempt, log on mm-hmm. attempts coming from, you know, Moscow. And, and people will be like, whoa, yeah. you know, and they'll, they'll click in the links and, and try to log on to see what these activities are. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, <laughs> right. it's, that's that's the phishing campaign itself is is to, yes. to, to scare yeah. you and to get you to click in it rather than you seeing it and then going, well, let me go and log into the, the place that I typically log into. Um, yeah. And check it from there, and seeing if I'm getting alarms. Uh, where you know, some people might not, you know, have that that mindset. They, they all of a sudden they get just get yeah. it's that fear, and mm-hmm. they know that you know, time sometimes time is sensitive, and they have to respond very quickly. Right. Well, that that's behind a lot of um, quite a lot of phishing attacks. It's just that mm-hmm. if you um, same with the the Indian uh, call center scams where they mm-hmm. you know they'll say like you've you've bought <laughs> Norton and you know if you want a refund you have to call us and people are like why am I getting charged like I don't want to get charged six hundred dollars you know I better call for a refund yeah. and then they just they they keep this time pressure on so you don't have time to think 
Um, so that yeah. might be the one of the, the big the financial is, fear. You know, yeah, the financial yeah, fear. Just, so one of the questions I've got for you is, well, think. yeah, yeah, take, take, yeah. Take, take a, I always say the 30 second pause. <laughs> Just yeah, take a 30 yeah, seconds, sit back and think about, is this something I was expecting? Yeah. <laughs> is this something that I, uh, you know, uh, have, you know, have I seen it before? This is the first time I've seen it. And uh, do I know the original source? Um, you know, is I'm I yeah. thinking with that bank. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's going through that. Know, if you, just a ticket of pause. <laughs> yeah, if you're panicking, it's um, it's probably induced. Like there's almost yeah. there's almost nothing that has to be solved this exact second that you're going to find out by email. And you know that's you know that's basically not going to happen. Um, so yeah, like try not to panic. <laughs> Absolutely. Just take, it's always yeah. that 30-second time light. It can make a big difference. Yeah. So I've got a question for you. One of the things, you know, there's, yeah. I've seen a lot of times where, you know, if you, you get into, you know, even looking and reading the Bellingcat book and uh, a lot of those, mm -hmm. you know, the great uh, ways that's showing how open source intelligence has been really successful. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any cases that you see that, you know, where it's, where it's been bad? Um, you know, when, when open source intelligence can go wrong? Um, because I think, you know, there's the good and bad. There's the good of, about getting transparency and finding the truth um, mm -hmm. uh, where open source intelligence can also, you know, cause problems, um, whether being political or whether, you know, whether, for example, I think, you know, closing the door for real intelligence gathering, you know, sometimes, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the hacktivists and, and those who are, are just trying yeah. to help, but sometimes are, you know, causing <laughs> causing challenges for the real intelligence gathering. Um, so right. what what do you see that when when can OSINT go bad? Right. So um, just before that, I'd quickly say one of the, the ways that OSINT did really well, I think, was in February of 22, when Russia was trying to do all these false flag attacks, mm -hmm. and they were being debunked in real time with evidence. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's sort of that's where OSINT by the public can absolutely shine, because. Mm -hmm. um, the credibility of like a random Twitter account saying I've geolocated this to here, that's actually a lot higher than if the New York Times says, you know, officials who have asked to remain anonymous because they're not authorized to speak to the press have said mm -hmm. that, you know, we've geolocated that as a false flag attack. That has yeah. no credibility compared to a JPEG with some colored squares on it by, you know, and that's random. A, I mean, I've, yeah, I've seen it. That's yeah. impressive. The speed, you know, oh, I, I always love, yeah. even on Twitter, I, I like the OSINT challenges. I, I like, you know, here, here's oh, yeah. a picture, a random picture, where am I? Um, um, and I, I love those. And yeah. for me, the speed, some people, I'm just like, whoa, how, you know, how, <laughs> how do you have amazing. access to that? So, yeah, um, they're, they're it, so good. Yeah. So um, there's that. But I think, you know, the, the area where um, the sort of um, public participation in intelligence collection, it can go very wrong when you know, there's something um, sort of active that's happening. And, you know, it's not even a case of like too many, too many cooks spoil the broth or anything. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very much that if, um, if a service is trying to do a set of operations, so, for example, if um, Britannia invaded uh, Yugoslavia, mm -hmm. and Yugoslavia was, you know, uh, very interested in knowing what was going on in Britannia, but then mm -hmm. everyone was like, "Hey, let's go hack Britannia because they're doing a bad thing." Um, Yugoslavia would be fucked, right? They would be screwed over yeah. because all of their operations are now being stomped on 
by randos who have got no connection to them at all. Um, yep. Who, in you know, if there's a lot of public notice of this as well, like if there's a lot of media attention of you know, like everyone is you know, everyone's participating, they're all hacking. This is great. Mm -hmm. The people getting hacked are going to increase their security because it's going, you know, people are yelling at them, hey, we're coming to hack you. you know, that's a, that tends to be a, a good motivator to become more secure. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, that random example uh, pulled out of nowhere that has no relation to events that may or may not have happened in the last year. Um, you know, that's, that's a real problem. If, if there are, um, people basically getting involved and telling everyone that they're getting involved. You know, you're alerting, <laughs> you're alerting the people that should be um, kept in the dark as much as possible. And, Absolutely. It, you know, anything that you do can't actually be exploited by the people that need to exploit it, right? Like if you, if you conduct an operation, you steal a bunch of data and then you leak it publicly, a huge amount of value that that had is now lost because for because a number of reasons. Because now they're closing the door. They're changing the information right. in real time. They're, they're, they're trying to mitigate that impact um, of that data <laughs> exactly, being, yeah. being disclosed. So it right. really means that, you know, the difference, I think the difference between, you know, noisy OSINT and stealthy OSINT <laughs> um, sometimes mm -hmm. need to have some type of at least uh, operational, you know, integrity or, or, you know, centralization kind of control. Um, and right. I think, you know, when, when the public are doing it, um, it's not very stealthy um, versus when, right. you know, a, a, a designated agency, you know, or, or you know, let's say uh, members are kind of assigned to doing it, they will, you know, stealthy is the utmost importance on that. Sometimes it's the difference right. between that. Right. And it's, I mean, it can also just be, things that are, um, they're hard to quantify, but like tasking, mm. right? So if you mm. are, you know, if you're in an agency and you're doing an operation, it's because you're trying to answer specific questions that have been given to you. And those are questions that need to be addressed, right? Like someone has said, you know, what is the tank output of this factory? Mm. And, and what is the, the shell production? And then, you know, the logistics throughput for, you know, one month over these train lines. You know, just yep. things that are important. But if you fuel, you know, fuel supply, you know, food, food provisions, you know, a lot of those details um, can can make a very important kind of uh, you know military decision sometimes. Right, right. You know, and and even stuff, you know, like how how full of the how how full are the hospitals? Right? Is it, it did um, did they do a campaign and now they have you know thousands of people have been injured or you know, and, and they're going to run out of beds and space. And so they're going to have mm -hmm. to stop because they just can't afford it anymore. Or do they have so much extra space that they can keep going? You know, all sorts of just things that don't necessarily occur to you as a civilian are important. Mm -hmm. But say that you go into the places where that information is located and you get something else, like you, you collect all of the emails because maybe there's going to be something scandalous in the emails. And so when you mm -hmm. leak that, you know, you've um, collected information that is not useful to answering, to addressing the questions that these people have. Mm -hmm. But worse, you have cut off any access that they would have had to the actual information that they need. So, you know, and then um, the 
like this is an important thing, right? Is when someone is tasked with doing something, right? If if mm-hmm. you are an agency and your job is to read the emails of the Kremlin, mm-hmm. right? That is your job, even if you get caught and you get kicked out, you still have to go back and read the emails, right? And there's only so many places you can read their emails, right? It's, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't have an infinite number of email servers. Yeah. And so after a while, they're going to start getting a sense of what you're trying to do. And it becomes a lot harder for you to operate because they now know, well, if we think something's fishy, the first thing we need to do is check our email servers because that is mm-hmm. where we always get hit, right? And yep, so the central, the central source, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> where everything is coordinated. It's right. definitely the, the, the top target. <laughs> right. And so when, um, you know, when, when the people that you're targeting, when they start learning your tradecraft and your behaviors and your, your operational you know, uh, techniques and stuff, it becomes harder and harder. Like you, you either have to sort of retrain or you need to do other stuff. And there's, there's a practical limit in that, you know, you can change up your malware, you can get, you know, new techniques and stuff, but you still have to hit the same email server, right? At some point, it, it's, you know, there's not much you can do. And so the difficulty here that I'm getting at is that if someone else who is not affiliated with any of these things comes in and starts poking about and they do the same sort of attacks, they generate the same reaction on the other end. Like the the Mm -hmm. targets start learning. These are things we need to worry about because this is what's interesting to people. Yep. So. And this is very much, I mean, this is a history of what we've been doing in security all along for many (laughs) years. It's, 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 you know, it's looking for those indicators of compromise and it's looking for those, you know, techniques and, and, um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the bulletins for AV was one of those things that you know, it was done for years is looking yeah. basically at you know, what files is changing, what's the process names, you know, and, and then creating those yeah. uh, uh, bulletins to be updated so that the next time you're targeted that you, know, you can prevent them. Um, and it's mm-hmm. to your point as well is that you know, when, when you've learned to trade uh, a way of doing things, um that's been very successful up until that point in time um and that, that's one of the things that you know we, we missed at the beginning is this is always continuous learning we have to evolve every single time so once you find that that technique is no longer value anymore you have mm-hmm. to evolve it you have to change it um and sometimes that might be you know bringing in you know new skill sets sometimes ro- rotating the people right um i think that's why probably a lot of you know governments might be you know looking to outsource to cyber mercenaries or grimler gangs because yeah. That's one way of changing the, the the techniques and changing the way of doing things very quickly, um, rather than you know, and 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 rather than using your own direct people and resources. Right, and it's um, it's cheaper in a way in that you know you don't pay procurement costs and you don't pay for the testing. <laughs> you don't you know you you don't have to. You're just paying for an end product, and that's paying for the result. Cheap. Yep. Right, and you know, if that if that doesn't succeed, then you don't, you know, you probably pay something, but not as much. And so yeah. there's all that, and then I guess also can, as well as you could you could separate it across multiple different risk groups yeah. as well. So they they don't even know what they're participating in uh, as as an as an entirety. They only know that right. They've got one specific thing that they're working on uh, in a in a in a larger campaign. And uh, that you know might then be rolled into mm-hmm. other other groups. Uh, you know activities as well um so you can right. also limit limit the knowledge of the those who are actually participating in it as well 
yes, yeah. So yeah, like there's a security. There's there's some security risks of having outsiders, but then you can get security um, back by doing you know compartmentation and mm-hmm. limiting um, people and other things. But yeah, so the it's it's funny because there's sort of two sides of it. Like on the one side, like from a defender point of view, where mm-hmm. we want to say yeah, like yes, you need to you need to find an exposed campaign so that we can learn the tradecraft and we can cut off. You know, we can we can stop them being able to use these things again. But then on um, the same defender side, it's when our like the guys doing stuff that we agree with, right? People doing uh, counterterrorism and, and counter um, child sex abuse mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. When they're doing operations, if we expose them, then they have the same costs that we try and impose on, you know. The, the adversaries, right? So, so yep. um, attacking, you know, exposing Russia is one thing, but exposing, you know, like an FBI operation against uh, child sex abuse stuff. Yeah, that's something human else, trafficking right? and just tons, tons oh. of different other criminal. Oh. You know, that's one of the things is that is, yeah. is there's so many different criminal activities in in cyber. It's not just you know uh, what's in the headlines today. You know, there's a lot of nasty things that happens. Yep. You know, in the background that. Um, a lot of these criminal, you know, um, guys who are, you know, right. years, it could be years of work as well, you know, and uh, lots of different yeah. corporations. So. And, um, you know, I think this is um, this is from the, the UK's uh, cyber doctrine thing. One of the things that they bring up is that um, the like there's so much integration of cyber and digital stuff into everyday life. That people doing criminal or you know terrorist or whatever activities that we do not like, they're going to have to use cyber, right? Like yep. people are not, you know, they're not sending letters to each other, you know, like dear sir, to whom it may concern, um, <laughs> you know, I I have, uh, I I am prepared to do drug deals with you, mm. you know, let me you know. It's like that doesn't happen, right? You know, they're they're all doing things with computers and yeah. that means that they are vulnerable to you know offensive cyber operations and, and those offensive cyber operations mm-hmm. operate in the same way as you know all of them the ones that we don't mm-hmm. like and the ones that you know we support and um yeah it's it's just it's it's interesting you know on the one hand it's like won't someone think of the cyber operators <laughs> and you know, <laughs> yeah. And on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you, know, you get people with these this huge, like you know, uh, tip on the shoulder, like basically mm-hmm. the, all hacking is bad. There's no, yeah, that's I, that's I, a challenge. That's a huge political, yeah. It's it's a it's a shame because you know yeah. hacking itself is is a mindset. It's it's a curiosity, and and unfortunately, it's been mm-hmm. put in you know from a media from a you know it's 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 a criminal you know it's a, it's a malicious person. But to be honest, majority mm-hmm. majority of people I come across in the industry and in, in the world, um, they're people with good intentions and motivations, and yeah. um, you know, and, and I sometimes always I always put context about ethical. It's the motives. It's the curiosity. You know. Putting context around uh, mm. hackers is majority of them are good, and they're all trying to make the world a safer yeah. place, and they're all trying to do what they can to to help, um, to to uh, make sure that you know a, a lot of organizations are protected, and that sometimes vulnerabilities need to be disclosed because the organizations 
are refusing mm-hmm. to, 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 to do the right thing. Um, so, and, and, and a lot of them put themselves at risk in doing so. Yeah. Um, I've got a question just to kind of, you know, sum it up and, and bring it to a close is, is that, you know, for those who's, who's listening in and, and uh, you know, uh, with OSINT and are uh, might be looking into, you know, uh, even, you know, involved in some of the types of operations, what, what type of advice would you give them? You know, how, how, what would be a good place of resources to improve your OSINT skills? I, I know Bellingcat have the courses that they're, they're they're doing these uh, courses yearly that you know, provide right. open source intelligence uh, skills, which I think is fantastic. Um, is there any good resources that you go to yeah. that is, is that helps you um, that you'd recommend the audience to look into? Um, so, yeah, so like uh, basically um, there's Hunchly. Uh, I don't know what the, I don't know what the company is called because they, they've recently been acquired by someone. And so they're, um, they're under a slightly different name now, I think. But uh, they they do training courses, and I think that the um, a lot of a lot of the sort of tooling that you get mm. is stuff that just like you know take screenshots when you visit a website and keep a database of all the links that you've gone to, and then be able to search it. You know, <laughs> and it's it's really basic stuff, but when it's done well, um, it works excellently. And the people who are behind it are they are good people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I guess that's what I'd recommend. Uh, there's also um, there's a new one, uh, Vortimo. I'll I'll send you a link so you can put it in the show. Yeah, notes. If, you send, if you send the links, <laughs> I'll make sure we we'll get them into the show notes so that it makes it easier okay, for the thanks. audience. Absolutely. Yeah, and and that's um, so the guy who invented Multigo. Um, again, it's another ascent um, sort of Multigo is cool. It's fantastic. It's, it's the frames and right. the way you know. I sometimes find I get I get a little bit lost in it. Mm. Um, um, oh. And now, but the great thing is there's a lot of templates. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of also API integrations that can mm-hmm. now expand the 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 sources. But um, absolutely, once once you get to know how it works <laughs> and working with the frames yeah, and, and the templates. Can, is impressive. Yeah, and you can enrich data and everything. Yeah. It's yeah, it's great. So um, the guy, the guy who invented that, he's got a new product now that he does, uh, Vortimo, and it's the same sort of thing. But when you like when you browse, it does like all of this matching against stuff, and it you know extracts phone numbers and email addresses and URLs mm-hmm. and all this, and then starts linking it together and mm-hmm. creates like dossiers and all this stuff already, and yeah. Kind of amazing for doing um, online research. Like it, yeah. it automates a huge I, amount. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the more important yeah. things that you mentioned is, is taking notes. Is just documentation. I think <laughs> that's some, one of the most under kind of yeah. you know, was it's uh, focused and prioritizing yeah. you know, things that we can do. Um, and for me, you know, I, I'm always looking to improve my note taking. Always looking to improve how I document things. And I'm always taking you know, mm-hmm. trying to you know, but. I think that's one of the things we can all probably do better at, and and uh, and maybe learn from those who do it really well. Is just documenting yeah. it so well that it's easy to search, easy to find. That you can you know go back mm-hmm. to to what even sometimes one of the things that when I'm going through my notes, I, I do a lot of gamification sometimes, and I go back and I'm mm-hmm. reviewing one of the, the the boxes I did or one of the CTFs, and I'm going. I wish I could capture my mind what I was thinking at that point in time. Right. <laughs> That's the one thing I'm not right. very good at note taking is what was my mind thinking when I actually went through right. that process. 
Right, and you, you sit there and you're like, okay, this is so <laughs> obvious. You know, all I need to do is put down this one word and it will trigger the entire, you know, memory castle that I've got here. So you, you write down like, you know, orange giraffe. And, you know, it, it, that encapsulates everything. And you're looking at it and you're like, how could anyone not know what that means? And, you know, <laughs> six hours later, you're looking at it, you're like, why the hell did an idiot write what down two <laughs> What was he thinking? <laughs> so that's that's where I wish there was a solution for now. So any of the audience is thinking about, you know, um, I've seen, I think yeah. it was Graham Cludy was talking about one a while back, which was, I think it was Rewind, um, where it kind of records your screen activities. <laughs> oh, so okay. That's interesting. But um, uh, I think, you know, if I can get worth, I was thinking about my mind, um, that would be a great <laughs> note-taking tool. Um, yeah. So... But absolutely, it's been fantastic having you on. This is really insightful, and I think for the audience, you know, we we haven't had a good OSINT, you know, episode uh, mm -hmm. to date. Um, I'm talking about, you know, how governments are are, are taking different approaches. Um, so many thanks for for being on the on the show, and it's been fantastic talking with you. And if you don't mind, we'll, we'll provide, you know, uh, you know, I, I think you're you're pretty easy findable on social media. So <laughs> um, we'll kind yeah. of make uh, if anyone has any questions yeah. and uh, how to contact you. Um, so any final, final words of wisdom uh, you have for the audience? Yeah, I guess the, uh, the important thing is that like cyber is so big that you could do whatever you find interesting and it's bound to be within scope. I mean, that's sort of what I found is, you know, over 25 years, I've, I've changed careers a lot and I'm mm -hmm. still doing cyber because I love it. Uh, it's, yep. It's so, yeah. it's a big field. I mean, that's I can't believe how much different you know different rules and skill sets and uh, you know where it's broken off into. You know where I remember and it's like when, you know just like mm -hmm. when you were saying when you're back in the late '90s and you know, when I was starting, it wasn't yeah. even a field. It was something you did in addition to your <laughs> yeah. day job. It was like it was like you know <laughs> I installed right, AV right. and yeah. I was deploying these machines while I was going and maybe training on windows 95 <laughs> rolling out some new exactly. teletyping application yeah. um it was something you did in addition but now it's exploded into such a wild variety of skills and knowledge which is amazing <laughs> so absolutely um yeah. this is an industry where you know even when we have a lot of automation coming in that there is still a a, yeah. a, a, a good amount of things that we can do that uh, isn't automated yet mm -hmm. Absolutely. So again, Excellent many thanks. To you. thanks. It's been for fantastic, and it's been a pleasure. And uh, all the best. And for everyone, again, you know, this has been a great episode. Um, definitely tune in every two weeks for the 401 Access Denied podcast. And uh, hopefully, this has been valuable and uh, that you learned a lot from today's session. So again, many thanks to Grug um, for being on, and you've been an awesome guest. And everyone, stay safe. Take care. Thank you. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrary for Business by going to www.cybrary.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Delinea. Dicotic and Centrify are now Delinea, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit delinea.com.